0: I have a story to tell about
1: this place, anyway. Okay, well, let's start out by apologizing.
0: Okay, hello. Hello. Good
1: morning. Good morning. (laughs) Welcome to...
0: Ghosts of Medjug.
1: Ooh! Ooh!
0: (laughs) Story, ghost story Yes,
1: it's very creepy, very creepy. Glad to be back. I'm here with Andrew Zitlow. And uh, I'm here with Travis. it up
0: a little bit. Um, Yeah, just sorry about the background noise. It's you know it's really nice up in the the pinnacle of the Medjugorje building. Mm. So we're just gonna continue recording up here, mm. despite the terrible
1: background noise. It's obviously very ghost influenced architecture up here. Yeah, A ghost influenced experience.
0: So yeah, I, I had another great experience up here the other day. This is my favorite spot in the building. No doubt. Yeah. No and. Doubt. Sunday night I was in here until 11pm writing my history outline nice and it was it was dark I just had one light on mm. but then the lights were on in the exhibition room and there's like this beautiful glow coming Ooh. up sort of reflecting off of the panels on the ceiling nice it was it was great it was
1: good and it wasn't it uh, wasn't too spooky
0: no it was just kind of cozy and maybe it was a little spooky but scene see- kind of like that
1: a little spooky's never a bad thing. Yeah. Speaking of spooky, voice, <laughs> voice of the past, this week's reading, Jane Jacobs. Yeah. From her, is this her first book?
0: I don't know, but I feel like it's her most famous book. It's a
1: big one. The Death and Life of Great American Cities.
0: Yeah. So I think most of us are somewhat familiar with Jane Jacobs, but um, if you aren't... She, so she was sort of an activist um, I think probably most of us think of her As being associated with city planning But I think what's kind of cool about her Is that she doesn't have any education in city planning um, She was a mother and a writer And she criticized experts in the male-dominated field of urban planning cool. So she's a bit just, of a renegade yeah, she's just a badass, essentially. I like that. I like that. Um, yeah, and she lived in Toronto. I think that's kind of where she moved to, but she's originally from New York. Hmm.
1: So. Very much a uh, metropolitan, urban fabric sort of person, creature. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think we all know the expression eyes on the street.
1: Well, if you don't, now you do.
0: If you don't, now And you're, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, so that's just kind of about, you know having more people in the public kind of makes it, like, a more safe place, I think. Nice. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I love it. So, um, we're going to be reading Chapter 10, The Need for Aged Buildings, uh, but before we do, I thought I'd I'd read the inscription in the front of the book. Oh, yes. Because it's, it's kind of nice, and it's right here, and it goes, To New York City, where I came to seek my fortune, and found it by finding Bob, Jimmy, Ned, and Mary, for whom this book is written.
0: Oh, it's lovely. I think it really, yeah, it
1: really kind of speaks to her character of, like, people first. Yeah. You know, that sort of a thing. The regular folks. The regular folks. Bob and Jimmy. I love it.
0: So, chapter 10, the need for aged buildings. Starts off with a, I don't know, statement. Condition three. The district must mingle buildings that vary in age and condition, including a good proportion of old ones.
1: So just before jumping in, I think this condition, um, it sounds like this is kind of a current that runs through this book of kind of general planning rules, or mm-hmm. of James. Are we going to go first name on this? Jane?
0: Yeah. J.J.? J.J. J-J. Jakes? <laughs> 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 I
1: don't know. Um, but yeah, so interesting. So definitely worth, um, if you enjoy this reading. As i'm sure i will um it's worth looking at the rest of this book checking it all out getting some ideas mm-hmm. seeing if you want to switch from architecture to planning <laughs> I,
0: yeah maybe fewer late nights but a lot more time writing which i think most of us don't enjoy doing.
1: <laughs> absolutely absolutely <laughs> but perhaps as architects we can uh make planning change as well this is true yeah it's great we can do anything
0: so, uh, I guess I'll start out this uh, start out this guy.
1: Right. Chapter 10, The Need for Aged Buildings. Cities need old buildings so badly, it's probably impossible for vigorous streets and districts to grow without them. By old buildings, I mean not museum-piece old buildings, not old buildings in an excellent and expensive state of rehabilitation, although these make fine ingredients, but also a lot of plain, ordinary, low-value old buildings, including some run-down old buildings.
0: If the city area has only new buildings, the enterprises that can exist there are automatically limited to those that can support the high costs of new construction. These high costs of occupying new buildings may be levied in the form of rent, or they may be levied in the form of an owner's interest and amortization payments on the capital costs of the construction. However, the costs are paid off. They have to be paid off. And for this reason, enterprises that support the cost of new construction must be capable of paying a relatively high overhead, high in comparison to that necessarily required by old buildings. To support such high overheads, the enterprises must be either a high profit or b well-subsidized.
1: If you look about, you will see that the only operations that are well-established, high turnover, standardized, or heavily subsidized can afford commonly to carry the costs of new construction. Chain stores, chain restaurants, and banks go into new construction, but neighborhood bars, foreign restaurants, and pawn shops go into older buildings. Supermarkets and shoe stores often go into new buildings. Good bookstores and antique dealers seldom do. Well-subsidized opera and art museums often go into new buildings, but the unformalized feeders of the arts, studios, galleries, stores for musical instruments, and art supplies or back rooms where low earning power of a seat and a table can absorb uneconomic discussions. These go into old buildings. Perhaps more significant, hundreds of ordinary enterprises necessary to the safety and public of streets and neighborhoods and appreciated for their convenience and personal quality can make out successfully in old buildings, but are inexorably slain by the high overhead of new construction.
0: Yeah, interesting. I was actually just yeah. talking to our our friend Charlie. Oh, Mr. Forma <laughs> a former guest star. Yes, absolutely. Um, about this kind of issue the other day, about sort of these um mixed use kind of condo projects that go oh. in and then often the main floor a lot of the units are vacant, the commercial right. spaces. And part of that is because from sort of a developer perspective, this is I'm paraphrasing Charlie here. So sure, yes. He's right. Let's quote him exactly.
1: <laughs> if you guys are looking for anything for your papers.
0: Um, yeah, I guess just from a development perspective, these units, they make them bigger so that they have to deal with, like, putting in fewer fire separations and exits and stuff. Sure,
1: that makes sense, yeah. But you then of... in reality,
0: there aren't that many of these small businesses that can afford those big spaces. Like, they want... These kind of small, funky little back room kind of right, spaces. Right, right, right. So then the only thing that ends up going in there is chains.
1: Right, your bulk barns.
0: Yeah, that kind of garbage. cash
1: money now.
0: <laughs> yeah, so
1: that's. I wish I. That's where I wish I lived is right above a like short term loan place. <laughs> just, just because I like the atmosphere, and like think of all the pens. You know what I mean.
0: Of all the pens. you'd never you have steal, to get another pen <laughs>
1: you'd always know where the pens were at
0: great
1: yeah no that's interesting Um yeah I've seen plenty of those places where you start to see occupants in the building and yeah and then you see always see kind of a constant for lease section yeah. in these places and it's you know your go juice and
0: Starbucks right <laughs> <goes in there. laughs>
1: yeah anywho anywho um where we at here right Oh, as for thank you. Uh, as for really new ideas of any kind, no matter how ultimately profitable or otherwise successful, some of them might prove to be prove to be there's no leeway for such chancy trial and error and experiment and
0: experimentation.
1: (laughs) I thought it was like experienciation. Experimentation in the high overhead economy of new construction. Old ideas can sometimes use new buildings. New ideas must use old buildings.
0: Even the enterprises that can support new construction in cities need old construction in their immediate vicinity. Otherwise they are part of a total attraction and total environment that is economically too limited and therefore functionally too limited to be lively, interesting and convenient. Flourishing diversity anywhere in a city means the mingling of high yield, middling yield and low yield and no yield enterprises. All the yields. All of
1: the yields. That's where where they go. The only harm of aged buildings to a city district or street is the harm that eventually comes of nothing but old age. The harm that lies in everything being old and everything becoming worn out. But a city area in such a situation is not a failure because of being all old. It's the other way around. The area of all old because it is a failure. Uh, The area is all old because it is a failure. For some other reason or combination of reasons, all enterprises or people are unable to support new construction. It is perhaps failed to hang on to its own people or enterprise that do become successful enough to support new or support new building or rehabilitation. They leave when they become successful. It's also failed to attract newcomers with choice. They see no opportunities or attractions here, and in some cases, such an area may be so infertile economically that enterprises which might grow in su- into successes in other places and build or rebuild their shelter never make enough money in this place to do so.
0: A successful city district becomes a kind of ever normal granary. Granary <laughs> so far as construction is concerned. Some of the old buildings year by year are replaced by new ones or rehabilitated to a degree equivalent to replacement. Over the years there is however there is therefore uh constantly <laughs> a mixture of buildings of many ages and types this is of course a dynamic process with what was new what with oh my gosh you guys sorry
1: <laughs> it's this morning podcast it's, it's not the easiest
0: i well i don't have your jalapeno coffee or whatever it is to drink.
1: that's right it's the hop along jorge it really uh, gets me fired up in the morning so yeah, i'd like to uh
0: Seriously, Travis has jalapeno in his coffee?
1: Yeah, I'd like to <laughs> toss a little uh, ground Jalapeno in with the, you know, in with the grinds, <laughs> yeah. spice it up a little bit.
0: Okay, sorry guys. Anyway, <laughs> over the years, there is therefore constantly a mixture of buildings of many ages and types. This is, of course, a dynamic process with what was once new in the mixture eventually becoming what is old in the mixture.
1: So just on this topic of mixture, I also enjoy <laughs> something I call Choco Chili Shakes, <laughs> which are chocolate milkshakes with uh like chili. Pa- cayenne. Well, like you know the little uh, like the chilies you put on pizza.
0: Oh, interesting. I just
1: fire those bad boys in there. Hmm. Yeah,
0: I do like to make what I call grown-up hot chocolate, yep. which is like cocoa powder, honey, and some various spices like cinnamon, ginger. Maybe nice.
1: a little cayenne. Spice it out. A little caliente yeah.
0: action. So, somewhere. Anyway, we're getting pretty off topic here. We are getting off
1: topic here, but it's, uh, yeah, we're going to see. You know, this is kind of fun. Okay, uh, we were, right? We are dealing here. We are dealing here again, as we were in the case of mixed primary uses with economic effects of time. But in this case, we are dealing with the economics of time, not hour by hour, through the day but the economics of time by decades and generations.
0: Time makes the high building costs of one generation the bargains of a following generation. Time pays off original capital costs and this depreciation can be reflected in the yields required from a building. Time makes certain structures obsolete for some enterprises and they become available to others. Time can make the space efficiencies of one generation the space luxuries of another generation. One century's building commonplace is another century's useful aberration.
1: So one thing that we've got there is like this little asterisk at the bottom of the page, some extra little tidbits that I guess I should have read many paragraphs ago, but I will go back to that place and then read this. So when we are talking about um, the area may be so infertile economically that enterprises which might grow into successes in other places, the asterisk comes along and says these are all reasons having to do with Inherent built-in handicaps. There is another reason, however, why some city districts age unremittingly, unremittingly, and this other reason has nothing to do. And this, <laughs> I feel like I'm missing. Like afterwards, as I'm reading this, necessarily with inherent flaws, the district may have been blacklisted in a concerted way uh, by mortgage lenders. The way that Boston's North End has been. This means of dooming a neighborhood to inexorable wearing out is both common and destructive but for the moment we're dealing with the conditions that affect a city's inherent economic ability to generate diversity and staying power so that's interesting there, that isn't there they're talking about there being other factors that can create these sort of environments in communities if the banks want a community to die mm. they can just kind of
0: not invest
1: not offer yeah not offer mm. mortgages and um so, so one no Yeah, that's a lot. Um, The economic necessity for old buildings... Sorry again, I do apologize for all the interruptions (laughs) in this podcast, but... It's the morning, my brain's fired up. (laughs) The economic necessity for old buildings mixed with new is not an oddity connected with the precipitous rise in building costs since the war, and especially throughout the 1950s. To be sure, the difference between the yield most post-war buildings must bring and the yield that pre-Depression buildings must bring is especially sharp. In commercial space, the difference between carrying costs per square foot can be as much as 100 or 200%, even though the older building may be better built than the new, and even though the maintenance cost of all buildings, including old ones, is risen. Old buildings were a necessary ingredient of a city's diversity back in the 1920s and 1890s. Old buildings will still be a necessity when today's new buildings are the old ones. This has been, still is, and will be true no matter how erratic or how steady construction costs themselves are because a depreciated building requires less income than one that has not yet paid off its capital costs steadily rising construction costs simply accentuate accentuate the need for old buildings possibly they make necessary a higher proportion of old buildings in the total street or district mixture because rising building costs raise the general threshold a pecuniary success required to support the cost of new construction.
0: A few years ago, I gave a talk at a city design conference about the social need for commercial diversity in cities. Soon my words began coming back at me from designers, planners, and students in the form of a slogan, which I certainly did not invent, Quote, we must leave room for the corner grocery store.
1: At first, I thought this must be a figure of speech. I like this speaking in the first person thing. At first, I thought this must be... A, it makes me feel like I wrote these for me. <laughs> you Jane, I was there. <laughs> at first, I thought this must be a figure of speech. The part standing for the whole, but soon it began to receive in the mail plans and drawings for projects and renewal areas in which literally room had been left here and there at great intervals for a corner grocery store. The schemes were accompanied by letters that said, See what have... See, we have taken to heart what you've said.
0: This corner, grocery, this corner grocery gimmick is a thin, patronizing conception of city diversity, possibly suited to a village of the last century, but hardly to a vital city district of today. Lone little grocery stores, in fact, do, do badly in cities as a rule. They are typically a mark of stagnant and undiverse gray area.
1: Nevertheless, the designers of these sweetly meant inanities were not simply being perverse. They were doing so, probably, the best way they could under the economic conditions set for them. A suburban-type shopping center at some place in the project, and this Wayne spotting, wane spotting, Wayne spotting yeah. of what is Wan?
0: Uh, well,
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. thank you. Uh, Wayne spotting of grocery stores, were the most that could be hoped for. Pale or weak. Oh, okay, so this weak spotting of corner grocery stores. For these were schemes contemplating either great blankets of new construction or new construction combined with extensive pre-arranged rehabilitation. Any vigorous range of diversity was precluded in advance by the consistently high overhead. These prospects are still made poorer by insufficient primary mixture of uses and therefore insufficient spread of customers throughout the day.
0: Even the loan groceries, if they were ever built, could hardly be the cozy enterprises envisioned by the designers. (coughs) To carry their high overhead, they must either be A, subsidized, by whom and why, or B, converted into routinized high-turnover mills. There's a little asterisk there. Mm. Says... They're usually dropped from the plans or indefinitely postponed at the time when the economic realities of rents must be faced.
1: And so that's talking about these spaces that people are saying for these little grocery stores, trying to create this ideal sort of thing saying, you know, if we offer this kind of little community spot, almost like we're talking before something that you really want small business to be there, kind of this personal sort of place, but it's just this idea that comes and goes.
0: Yeah, economically it doesn't make sense, I guess, in new buildings.
1: No, which is interesting. Large swatches of construction built at one time are inherently inefficient for sheltering wide ranges of cultural, population, and business diversity. They're even inefficient for sheltering much range of mere commercial diversity. This can be seen at a place like Stuyvesant Town in New York. Oh, yeah, okay. In 1959, more than a decade after operation began, of the 32 storefronts that comprise Stuyvesant Town's commercial space, seven were either empty or being used uneconomically for things like storage or window advertising and the like. This represented disuse or underuse of 22% of the fronts. At the same time, across the bordering streets, where buildings of every age and every condition condition are mingled, there were 140 storefronts, of which 11 were empty. Are used uneconomically, representing a disuse or underuse of only 7%. Actually, the disparity is greater than this is appear because the empty storefronts in the old streets were mostly small and in linear feet represented less than 7%, a condition which was not true of the project stores. The good business side of the street is the age-mingled side, even though a great share of its customers are Stuyvesant Town people and even though it must cross wide and dangerous traffic arteries to reach it. This reality is acknowledged by the chain stores and supermarkets too, which have been building new quarters in the age-mingled setting instead of filling those empty fronts in the project.
0: One-age construction in cities, in city areas is sometimes protected nowadays from the threat of more efficient and responsive commercial competition. This protection, which is nothing more or less than commercial monopoly, is considered very, quote, progressive in planning circles. The Society Hill renewal plan for Philadelphia will, by zoning, prevent competition to its developers' shopping centers throughout a whole city district. The city's planners have also worked out a quote food plan for the area, which means offering a monopolistic restaurant concession to a single restaurant chain for the whole district. Nobody else's food allowed. <laughs> <laughs> no soup for you. No soup for you. <laughs> the Hyde Park. Nice. Kenwood Renewal District of Chicago reserves a monopoly on almost all commerce for a suburban-type shopping center to be the property of that plan's principal developer. In the huge southwest redevelopment district of Washington, the major housing developer seems to be going so far as to eliminate competition with himself. The original plans for this scheme contemplated a central suburban-type shopping center Plus a smattering of convenience stores, our old friend, the lonely grocery gimmick. Mm. A shopping center economist predicted that these convenience stores might lead to diminished business for the main suburban type center, which itself will have to support high overhead. To protect it, the convenience stores were dropped from the scheme. It is thus that routinized monopolistic (laughs) packages of substitute city are palmed off as planned shopping. Or palmed off. Sorry, it's planned shopping.
1: Homed as planned. It's a lot of L's, a lot of P's, a lot of A's. Yes. (laughs) Um, So this right away makes me think of an area in Dartmouth that's very strange. And uh, so like the Highfield Park area. And so it's it's kind of a food desert up there. Mm. So there once was a small Sobeys grocery store that was walkable. There still is like the new store is probably less than two kilometers away. But there's a huge amount of people um, that live, let's say, now five kilometers away from that yeah, from that grocery store, which is a lot. Significant. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's strange. So there is, though, in a lot of these apartment buildings on Highfield Park Drive, uh, corner stores mm-hmm. on their main floor. So kind of this idea of this local grocery store, but the prices there are insane. Like yeah. I, yeah, I can remember seeing an advertisement for, uh, like, two loaves of Ben's Wholesome Bread, so kind of your fast food version of bread, but it was, like, two loaves of bread for $7, and that's what they were advertising, you know? It's just, like, holy moly, and what else are you going to do? I mean, you're not going to... I mean, actually, I imagine a lot of people take cabs from there to the grocery store, or, I mean, the bus. I mean, knowing kind of the routes a little bit, there is buses that go directly from there to there, but still, it's, like...
0: Yeah, grocery stores are kind of the thing where you you do need both. Like I love where I live because I am like two blocks from Sobey's, but also two blocks from Local Source. Oh, there like, you go. Like I like yeah. to buy some things at Local Source, but like clearly you can't get everything there. And if I was closer to God the Street, like there's just no big grocery over there. Right, there's another the car, area as well. Yeah, and groceries just would just be this huge task. Yeah,
1: so these food deserts and all these things. Yeah, so. and often
0: I think those are in lower income areas.
1: Oh, absolutely. Areas. Yeah.
0: So then people just don't have access to healthy food. Right. Yeah. Sad. Anyway,
1: a moment to reflect on our food deserts. So, <laughs> Monopoly um, Planning. That's me. that. that we're
0: we're on? Yeah. Did we do this part? I don't think so. Yeah, I think I just read that. Remember, oh, plan. Right, yeah. yeah. This <laughs>
1: Monopoly planning can make financial successes of such inherently inefficient and stagnant one-age operations, but it cannot thereby create in some magical fashion an equivalent to city diversity, nor can it substitute for the inherent efficiency in cities of mingled age and inherently varied overhead. Age of buildings in relation to usefulness or desirability is an extremely relative thing nothing in a vital city district seems to be too old to be chosen for use by those who have choice or to have its place taken finally by something new and this usefulness of the old is not simply a matter of architectural distinction or charm in the back of the yard chicago no weather-beaten undistinguished rundown presumably obsolete frame house seems to be too far gone to lure out savings and to instigate borrowing because this is a neighborhood that people are not leaving as they achieve enough success for choice. In Greenwich Village, almost no building is scorned by middle-class families hunting a bargain in a lively district, or by rehabilitators seeking a golden egg. In successful districts, old buildings filter up.
0: At the other extreme, in Miami Beach, where novelty is the the sovereign remedy, hotels 10 years old are considered aged and are passed up because others are newer. Newness, and its superficial gloss of well-being, is a very perishable commodity.
1: Many city occupants and enterprises have no need for new construction. The floor of the building in which this book is being written is occupied also by a health club with a gym, a firm of ecclesiastical...
0: Ecclesiastical...
1: It's like eclectic, but it's like ecclesiastical decorators? Mm. I don't... We don't need to
0: look at that.
1: (laughs) There's some amazing decorators in this place. (laughs) <laughs> um, an insurgent democratic party, reform club, a local party political club, a music society, an accordionist association, a retired importer who sells mate by mail, <laughs> a man who sells paper, and also one who takes care of shipping the mate. Is that really the
0: word? Who's mate?
1: Mate? It's like, maybe I'm saying mate, it's supposed to just be like mat.
0: No, it's got an accent aigu on there.
1: Ooh. What is mate?
0: Uh, also known as Chimero, ah. which is, oh, like mate?
1: Yeah. Like the tea. Oh,
0: okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: okay. So. so it's a tea. It's a caffeine like, rich. The mate, yeah. <laughs> nice. I'll have a little mate. Uh, okay, so this building's filled with stuff. It's also got a dental laboratory, a studio for watercolor lessons, and a maker of costume jewelry. Among the tenants who were here and gone shortly before I came in, we're a man who rented out tuxedos, a union local, and a Haitian dance troupe. There is no place for the likes of us in new construction, and the last thing we need is new construction. The here, no, the last thing we need is some paternalist wing, whether we are sufficiently non-controversial to be admitted to subsidized quarters in a utopian dream city. <laughs> a little sass on that. Oh, yeah. Uh, what we need, and a lot of others need, is old construction in a lively district, where some among us can help make it livelier.
0: Nor is a new residential building in cities an unadulterated good. Many disadvantages accompany new residential city buildings, and the value placed on various advantages, or the penalties accruing from certain disadvantages, are given different weights by different people. Some people, for instance, prefer more space for the money or equal space for less money to a new dinette design. For midgets. <laughs> Some people like walls they don't hear through. This is an ad- advantage they can get with many old buildings, but not with new apartments. Whether they are public housing at $14 a room per month, oh, wouldn't that be nice? Or luxury housing at $95 a room per month. Asterix. Mm. Dear, this is in quotes. Dear, <laughs> are you sure the stove is one of the 51 exciting reasons we're living in Washington Square Village? asks the wife in a cartoon issued by protesting tenants in an expensive new york redevelopment project you'll have to speak up honey replies the husband our neighbor just flushed his toilet
1: Ooh! <laughs> so it's like a real comment on being like won over by like the flashy little things when yeah, they...
0: you miss kind of the big issues <laughs> right it's
1: like watching every renovation show on every like tv thing where people go in and they're like Oh, the house is great, but I don't like the lights, or I don't like the (laughs) (laughs) the color of the wallpaper.
0: Some people would rather pay for improvements in their living conditions, partly in labor and ingenuity, and by selecting which improvements are most important to them, instead of being indiscriminately improved, and all at the cost of money. In spontaneously unslumming slums, where people are staying by choice... It is easy to observe how many ordinary citizens have heard of color, lighting, and furnishing devices for converting deep or dismal spaces into pleasant and useful ones, useful rooms, have heard of bed air conditioning and of electric window fans, have learned about taking out non-bearing partitions, and have even learned about throwing two two small flats into one. Minglings of old buildings with consequent minglings in living costs and tastes are essential to get diversity and stability in residential populations, as well as diversity in enterprises.
1: Among the most admirable and enjoyable sites to be found along the sidewalks of big cities are the ingenious adaptations of old quarters to new uses. The townhouse parlor has, has, becomes a craftsman's showroom, the stable that becomes a house, the basement that becomes an immigrants club, that's <laughs> that's horrible, the garage or brewery that becomes a theater, the beauty parlor that becomes the ground floor of the duplex, the warehouse that becomes a factory for Chinese food, the dancing school that becomes a pamphlet printers, the cobblers that becomes a church with lovingly painted windows, the stained glass of the poor, the butcher shop that becomes a restaurant. These are the kinds of minor changes forever occurring where city districts have vitality and are responsive to human needs.
0: Consider the history of the no-yield space that has recently been rehabilitated by the arts in Louisville Association as a theater, music room, art gallery, library, bar, and restaurant. It started life as a fashionable athletic club, outlived that and became a school, then the stable of a dairy company, then a riding school, then a finishing and dancing school, another athletic club, an artist studio, a school again, a blacksmith's, a blacksmith's, a factory, a warehouse, and is now a flourishing center for the arts. Who can anticipate or provide for such a success, for such a succession of hopes and schemes? Only an unimaginative man who would think he could, only an arrogant man would want to. (laughs) This reminds me of uh, those of us who were in Brian's studio last semester. He made this comment about like yeah, the uses of buildings changes, changing. And he's like, like e-. <laughs> next thing you know, it's a whorehouse. And it's just like, of course. He would make an off-color comment on that. And you're like,
1: oh, okay. But it is true. These things do change over time, you know? And uh, it's weird when you're in one space and you find out it used to be something totally different.
0: Yeah. No, and those are super interesting spaces. Yeah.
1: I was actually just telling some ghost type stories <laughs> over the weekend yeah but a place that I lived in that was like this super old place that was um like started out as a plantation and just yeah. like the person who uh like built a prison there owned the house at one point in time and uh it was very like yeah. it's very creepy place actually speaking
0: know. of poor houses yeah. my house was a brothel really yeah the, the one you're in now the one I'm in now oh, wow um, yeah, if you guys look up Ada McCallum, she's actually got like this famous Canadian documentary. Really, like like as her being a famous Canadian documentary about her
1: and her like madam and her
0: brothel, <laughs> yeah, nice, which was in my house at one point.
1: <laughs> that's fun. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's, that's, fun, facts. That's fun fact. <laughs> anyway,
1: these uh, eternal changes. And permutations along old city buildings can be called makeshifts only in the most pedantic sense. It is rather that a form of raw material has been found in the right place. It has been put to you a use that might otherwise be unborn.
0: What is makeshift and woe be gone is to city diversity outlawed. Outside the vast middle-income Bronx project of pork <laughs> Parkchester. Chester. <laughs> Park Chester. Either way, so it's a great place. <laughs> Where the standardized, routinized commerce with its share of empty fronts is protected from unauthorized competition or augmentation within the project. We can see such an outcast huddle supported by Park Chester people. Beyond a corner of the project, hideously clumped on a stretched poc- pocked asphalt left over from a gas station are a few of the other things the project people apparently needed quick loans your favorite <laughs>
1: my fave <laughs> oh pocked asphalt as well sorry not to interrupt, but <laughs> those two things if i can put those together pocked to asphalt and a quick loans place Ooh. <laughs> it's like yeah don't even get me started <laughs>
0: it's like me and my trailer park idea <laughs> anyway <laughs> musical instruments camera exchange chinese restaurant odd lot clothing How many other needs remain unfulfilled? What is wanted becomes academic when mingled building age is replaced by the economic rigor mortis of one-age construction with its inherent inefficiency and consequent need for forms of protectionism.
1: Cities need a mingling of old buildings to cultivate primary diversity mixtures as well as secondary diversity. In particular, they need old buildings to incubate new primary diversity. If the incubation is successful enough, The yield of the billings can and often does rise. Grady Clay reports that this is already observable. Sounds like a made-up name, Grady Clay. Grady Clay reports. Uh, For instance, in the Louisville Louisville Sample Shoe Market, rents were very low when the market began to attract shoppers. He says, "Quote for a shop about 20 feet by 40 feet, they were 25 to 50 a month. They they have already gone up to about 75." Many of the city's enterprises, which become important economic assets, start small and poor and become able, eventually, to afford carrying costs of rehabilitation or new construction. But this process could not occur without that low-yield space in the right place in which to start.
0: Areas where better mixtures of primary diversity must be cultivated... uh (laughs) sorry areas were better mixtures of primary diversity must be cultivated will have to depend heavily on old buildings especially at the beginning of deliberate attempts to catalyze diversity if brooklyn new york as an example is ever to cultivate the quantity of diversity and degree of attraction and liveliness it needs it must take maximum economic advantage of combinations of residence and work without these primary combinations ineffective and concentrated proportions, it is hard to see how Brooklyn can begin to catalyze its potential for secondary diversity.
1: Brooklyn cannot well compete with suburbs (laughs) for capturing big and well-established manufacturers seeking location. At least it cannot at present, certainly not by trying to beat out the suburbs at their game on their terms. Brooklyn is quite different assets. Brooklyn is to make the most of work residents' primary mixtures, it must depend mainly on incubating work enterprises and then holding on to them as long as it can. While it has them, it must combine them with sufficiently high concentrations of residential population and with short blocks to make the most of their presence. The work it makes the more it makes of their presence, the more firmly it is apt to hold work uses.
0: But to incubate these those work uses, Brooklyn needs old buildings needs them for exactly the task they fulfill there for brooklyn is quite an incubator each year more manufacturing enterprises leave brooklyn for other locations then moving then move into brooklyn from elsewhere yet the number of factories in brooklyn has been constantly growing a thesis prepared by three students at brooklyn's pratt institute explains this paradox well the secret is that brooklyn is an incubator of industry small businesses are constantly being started there a couple of machinists perhaps will get tired of working for someone else and start out for themselves in the back of a garage they'll prosper and grow soon they will get big enough soon they will get too big for the garage and move to a rented loft still later they buy a building when they outgrow that and have to build for themselves there's a good chance they will move out to queens or nassau or new jersey but in the meantime Twenty or fifty or a hundred more like them will have started up.
1: Why do they move when they build for themselves? For one thing, Brooklyn offers too few attractions aside from those a new industry finds are necessities. Old buildings and nearness to a wide range of other skills and supplies a small enterprise and supplies a small enterprise must have. For another, little or no effort has been made to plan for working needs. Things like Great sums of money are spent on highways, choked with private automobiles, rushing into the city and out of it. No comparable thought or money is spent on trucking expressways for manufacturers who use the city's old buildings, its docks and railways. A little asterisk here, a little tidbit. Cost of land, conventionally assumed to be a significant deterrent today to building in the city for expanding businesses has been steadily diminishing in a ratio to construction costs and to almost all other costs. When Time uh, Incorporated decided to build an expansive plot on a ground near the center of Manhattan, for example, instead of on a much cheaper ground near the edge, it based its decision on a host of reasons. Among them was the fact that taxi fares alone for employees' business trips from the inconvenience site would come to more per year than the difference in land carrying costs. Stephen G. Thompson of Architectural Forum has made the unpublished observation that. <laughs> Sorry, I switched my page. <laughs> Uh, That redevelopment subsidies frequently bring the cost of city land lower than the cost of carpet for the buildings. To justify land costs higher than carpet costs, a city has to be a city, not a machine or a desert.
0: Brooklyn, like most of our city areas in decline, has more old buildings than it needs. To put it another way, many of its neighbourhoods have for a long time lacked gradual increments of new buildings. Yet if Brooklyn is ever to build upon its inherent assets and advantages, which is the only way successful city building can be done, many of those old buildings, while well distributed, will be essential to the process. Improvements must come by supplying the conditions for generating diversity that are missing, not by wiping out old buildings in great swaths. I wonder if this is because Brooklyn is now like a hopping place oh for right? sure yeah this
1: is definitely so. setting the stage for this kind of idea that was going on here yeah. I just need to you have to go soon so I should. do have to go soon but I can yeah okay let's go try and like send a message so I relate, <laughs> but I don't want really to risk the recording <laughs> okay. but yeah no 100% I uh, it's great to be able to read something like this I don't always relate to the ancient texts that we've had mm-hmm. uh, and these types of things Something that's more old modern, I guess I'd call this, or you know, because it's before um, before our time. That she's writing from, uh, we've kind of seen this; these changes happen,
0: yeah,
1: in a positive way, yeah, yeah. Um, we can see around us from the days preceding project building many examples of decaying city neighborhoods built up all at once. Frequently, such neighborhoods have begun as fashionable areas, sometimes they have instead a solid middle-class start. Every city has such physically homogeneous neighbourhoods.
0: Usually just such neighbourhoods have been handicapped in every way, so far as generating diversity is concerned. We cannot blame their poor staying power and stagnation entirely on their most obvious misfortune, being built all at once. Nevertheless, this is one of the handicaps of such neighbourhoods. And unfortunately, its effects can persist long after the buildings have become aged.
1: When such an area is new, it offers no economic possibilities to city diversity. The practical penalties of dullness from this and other causes stamp the neighborhood early. It becomes a place to leave. By the time, that's so sad. <laughs> by the time the buildings have indeed aged, their only useful city attribute is low value, which by itself is not enough.
0: Neighborhoods, built up all at once, changed little physically over the years as a rule. The little physical change that does occur is for the worse. Gradual dilapidation, a few random shabby new uses here and there. People look at these few random differences and regard them as evidence, and perhaps as cause, of drastic change. Fight blight! (laughs) They regret the neighborhood has changed. Yet the fact is, physically, it has changed remarkably little. People's feelings about it, rather, have changed. The neighborhood shows a strange inability to update itself, enliven itself, repair itself, or to be sought after out of choice by a new generation. It is dead.
1: Oof.
0: <laughs> Actually, it was dead from birth. Oof. Ooh. <laughs> but nobody noticed this much until a corpse began to smell. Ooh.
1: That's a very digestible paragraph. <laughs> that you've there you yeah. Uh, Finally comes the decision, after exhortations to fix up and fight blight have failed, that the whole thing must be wiped out and a new cycle started. Perhaps some of the old buildings will be left if they can be renewed into the economic equivalent of new buildings. A new corpse is laid out. It does not smell yet, but it is just as dead, just as incapable of the constant adjustments, adaptations and permutations that make up the process of life.
0: There's no reason why this dismal, for-doomed cycle need be repeated. If such an area is examined to see which of the other three conditions for generating diversity are missing, and then those missing conditions are corrected as well as they can be, some of the old buildings must go. Extra streets must be added. The concentration of people must be heightened. Room for new primary uses must be found, public and private. But a good mingling of old buildings must remain. And in remaining they will have become something more than mere decay from the past or evidence of previous failure they will have become the shelter which is necessary and valuable to the district for many varieties of middling low and no yield diversity the economic value of new buildings is replaced in cities it is replaceable by the spending of more construction money but the economic value of old buildings is irreplaceable at, at will. It is created by time. This economic requisite for diversity is a requisite that vital city neighborhoods can only inherit and then sustain over the years.
1: So, pretty sensational closing to the chapter. And some wonderful analogies mm-hmm. to the uh, these old communities like being an organism themselves. Having a life. Thriving. And it being kind of a symptom of the people that are in these places. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No big surprises there. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I've got to say, I do agree with uh, the jakester here.
0: Oh, for sure.
1: Um oh, not. <laughs> I really enjoy areas that are older. I mean, I really enjoy new areas as well. There, and I, it like, there's a lot of things that I find enjoyment in, sometimes just because other people don't enjoy them. So that's the thing. <laughs> but I definitely don't like um, you know, these places we were talking about before, these kind of almost suburban, um, high density areas that are just these islands away from yeah. the rest of it. There's it's just
0: weird no and that. kind of sterile. Yeah. That's nice. So, anyways, that's, uh, that's reading. this reading for this week.
1: Uh, we do have lots in store for the new guests in Magic Podcast uh, contest prizes. Controversies of all sorts, (laughs) special guest stars. So we will uh, talk more about those on the next podcast. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Thanks for listening. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you next time. Spooky.